we i don't know willie do you have a pelvic physio where at your clinic i feel like you do we do uh, but she's on mat leave right now um so she might need a pelvic she, physio. i was yeah i was about to say <laughs> what's up everyone this is the pt lens podcast how's it going what's going on uh, well i thought you were asking the audience so i just waited for a brief moment and i realized I just it's just me and you, you. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> why you gotta ruin everything <laughs> Today is a is a really interesting episode because we have two people that we basically came up with in our PT journey. We started physio. School. We didn't we didn't come up with them. We didn't come up with them. Yeah, we did. We we didn't make them up. We <laughs> we came up in the physio game with these guys. We everything we learned, we all kind of studied together, went through the physio school together, and uh, you know some of my best memories from physio school are all of us just chilling studying in the in the rooms above our lecture hall and it was just a really good time so i'm really excited to welcome disha and sanaz to the podcast what's up guys wow prab that was the cutest introduction thanks for making me up though <laughs> i try i try yeah. making i try making people that was that's really what pelvic mean. helps with right making people exactly make or break people i almost started crying yeah. It's good. Walid actually started crying. I I did. I did. I saw like my Snapchat crying. history, and I saw like Sanaz's like sassiness in 500 when she was studying for oh exams. Oh my god! And I was like, what a I, time! I actually just Honestly. got a memory today. You know the one where Prad's sitting on the chair, and Sanaz literally lifts him and th- like, well, slides the chair over. So it's fun funny. times. I mean, yeah. Prad, Prad, she can't lift Prad anymore though. But fun Prad's times. Yeah, she probably she probably could. <laughs> <laughs> she see, she knows. It's good to it's good to believe in yourself. I think it's important. Yeah, it's the PT journey. Yeah, man. Why okay, don't you guys show. tell us a bit about? Yeah. Why don't you guys tell us a bit about you know how your physio journey has been so far? What you guys have been up to since you graduated? And just give us a brief introduction. Whoever wants to go first. Sanaz, you take it, girl. Okay. So my PT journey started with uh, graduating, and I started to work at two clinics. They're both private practices. Um, an MSK, and uh, I started with taking my acupuncture course, and a few months later, did my pelvic courses. So basically, I've just been in private practice since then. I've been treating pelvic patients and MSK patients, so I do a combination of both. Um, it's mostly MSK. I would say like twenty or thirty percent of my caseload is pelvic right now, um, but yeah. Me and Disha actually work for the same same clinic company as because we both work in a franchise. So Disha, you can start now. <laughs> I'll start. Love like that. You, just like that was that was okay. a great introduction, Sanes. Disha, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, just kind of like what Sanes said. We both work at the same uh, company, different clinics, but we also started work at the same time. It's been like eight nine, 10 months. But interesting enough, I actually started my pelvic courses even before I started working right after I did my, um, 
uh, first written licensing exam. And I was, I've always been very interested in pelvic therapy. I mean, you guys remember as well when uh, the first time they came for that elective stuff, you know, I was always super intrigued by it. And I think um, that's, you know, my interest was sparked since then. And I love the pelvic courses. I've done uh, level one, two, and three. And um, I also treat ortho and pelvic patients at uh, the clinic. Around 30 to 40% of my caseload is pelvic. And yeah, it's been great so far. And I'm excited to learn uh, learn more about it and see just like different cases. And it's really cool because it's, you know, similar but different to pelvic, which I mean, we can get into a little bit, kind of let you guys take the lead on that. But yeah, that's kind of it. That's awesome. Yeah, like basically going off that because I know a lot of people are aware of what physiotherapy is. But what is pelvic health? When you, when you speak of pelvic health, what exactly is that concept? And how can physiotherapy help with that? So I'll answer this. Uh, and Dish, you can add on it if you want. But pelvic health physiotherapy is basically an evidence-based treatment where we treat common conditions within the pelvis. So this can include incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, or pelvic pain. So there's actually a lot of conditions that we treat. That's, those are just some of the basic ones. But uh, basically anything in relation to your pelvic floor we can treat. What's, um, uh, what's incontinence? So uh, incontinence is when you basically have difficulty with like urination. So usually when we speak about incontinence, we're talking about urinary incontinence where a person leaks urine by accident. So you're not really trying to go to the bathroom, but you are. Uh, and it's more common in uh, women, but it can also happen in men too. Yeah, anything basically related to bl bladder and bowel control, like incontinence could be, you know, urinary or, you know, feces, but usually we see urinary incontinence. So like Sanaz said, it could be stress incontinence, which is kind of like that increase in pressure where, you know, that you can't control and then you leak. Or it can be like an urge incontinence where it's like, you know, involuntary muscle contractions can lead to uh, leakage. Does that answer and your question? <laughs> this can be urination or feces, right? I'm just trying to understand this correctly. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Bowel okay. Bowel growth, and yeah. So, so you're, what you're suggesting is that the like, is there a pelvic floor dysfunction that leads to this type of like these type of disorders? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So it can be it can be anything. So it can be like let's say weakness in your pelvic floor muscles. Sometimes like low tone or like less kind of tension can lead to weak pelvic floor, which can you know lead to leakage. Or for example, with um, females, a lot of the times I've seen again this is based on more of my experience, but um, I've seen like let's say post pregnancy or during pregnancy, you know, with you know the weight weight gain and of course the baby growing inside and that pushes on the bladder and things like that that can lead to leakage so it doesn't need to be necessarily like pelvic floor dysfunction but it can just be like natural you know changes in the body or yes dysfunction in terms of um, like a weaker pelvic floor either with you know age or just natural like through you know activities and things like that can lead to that and yeah that can cause leakage too so how can physio help so let's say some one of these females that you were just talking about comes into the clinic how would you go about your assessment what types of things are you looking for and how would you start to give them a treatment plan what would that exactly, look like exactly yeah like how are you like basically like approaching these patients it's like 
like you see these things that are happening what kind of things can you use as a framework to understand what your health is like and then basically give us give us a little bit more about that exactly so really we start with taking a really thorough subjective assessment so we want to understand everything about the person in terms of um any type of pelvic floor dysfunctions they may had they may have had before if the person's on any birth control or hormonal supplements, if they've had any pregnancies, um, like any any constipation. So all these things, you're really trying to take a full approach, like a full body approach to understand why this could be happening. And then you would go in internally. So we usually do uh, for women, vaginal and rectal exams. For men, we only do rectal exams. So by doing the vaginal exam in terms of urinary incontinence if we're talking about leakage um through the urine we would be going internally and basically checking out for tone and strength of the pelvic floor so uh we're what we mean by tone is like in other words i guess what people say is like it's not tightness like you're not looking for per se something that's shortened in terms of the muscles but you're looking at basically if there's a lot of tension that's being held in the pelvic floor, most likely the muscles that are supposed to be working there are not working properly. Um, and so the strength is also affected and basically you're not able to hold in the urine uh, like you want to. So that would be how we would approach it for um, urinary incontinence. But basically it, it, for all pelvic floor dysfunctions, we do the same thing. We go internally and we basically try to put like the put the story together and try to see what muscles are weak, what muscles are in tone, if like um and go from there. Disha, do you wanna to add to that? Yeah, I think I mean I think you summarized it pretty well and it's just more of like kind of exactly what Tanaya said, like based on the subjective history, based on objective history and like finding whether it's like high tension or it's weaker muscles, you kind of, you know, have to like break it down and, you know, provide treatment that way. Um and usually like I always find there's like multiple things together. It's not just like, okay, um, you know, you have a weak pelvic floor, so kegels all the way, like, you know, nothing like that. It can it's very specific to the person. Um, what are your thoughts on kegels I'm, I'm so sorry i interrupted you but like you mentioned no. kegels and like it's like it's like pretty hot topic like in terms of like the realm of phys like health for like overall like what are your thoughts on kegels do you think everyone should do them or is it like it's not like a one-size-fits-all kind of situation yeah, no, definitely not. Actually, the funny thing is, like, even before I did any of my courses, like, I feel like most of us, right? Like, when you think about pelvic health, like, we all think, like, oh, yeah, Kegels is the way to go. But that's not true. Um, it's It really depends on, again, what you're trying to accomplish and what you see in the objective assessment, right? Like, if someone's already under, um, you know, high tension in their, within their pelvic floor, you don't want to make them do Kegels where you're kind of contracting more and getting to slightly higher you know tension again i sound like i'm you know speaking from a textbook but just to keep it simple for i guess everyone to understand um whereas yes if you're looking at like a weaker pelvic floor then yes you would go through kegels but there's a very different technique in like how we teach it like we always work on kind of first bringing down the tension or work like at least i like to teach reverse kegels first so it's like pretty much like lengthening um the tissue and like the muscle and then working on strengthening it so you're not going from like a 
shortened position or like you know it's kind of like doing like bicep curls you don't just do them like oh. midway right like you kind of so it's like, like full range okay so 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 if like someone has a tight pelvic floor um you wouldn't recommend doing kegels specifically because it would lead to more contraction in a very tight situation yeah, again like i'm not saying like it's yeah, like i'm not trying no, to paint no, it with bone brush and then you would use reverse kegels to kind of loosen it up and then yeah. try to see if you can oh, okay okay i see yeah I see. and then we also supplement that with like internal work right like for example like a lot of the times i honestly get my patients to start like practicing like breathing and doing those reverse kegels because it's always great to pair the breath with the reverse kegel because then they kind of maintain that pressure system and that's is that really challenging cool. is that challenging yes. for patients oh, like yes. Yeah, Sorry, no, continue. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, a, a lot of patients like have like it, it can be hard to because a, a lot of the times like we're not actually that conscious about our breathing, right? Like we don't actually really pay attention to it. Like I was, I grew up as a dancer and like I always used to have like I mean I never focused on my breathing. Like I was always, you know, highly. I was just popping off. Just just popping off. Like. Okay, that's you, chill. You with all the weddings this summer. <laughs> okay, okay, relax. Let's keep it professional. <laughs> yeah. We won't talk about my dance videos here. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> but yeah um where where were we yeah so it's not like you know you're not giving kegels to everybody like you pair that with internal work kind of get that breathing going you know lengthening the muscles and things like that and then once they kind of have more awareness and connection to their pelvic floor then i start teaching them how to do kegels because i there's just better awareness better connection and that usually helps um get better like long-term results because then it's easier to kind of um progress those exercises better oh, too right like you're not just okay. starting with someone doing like bench presses with like you know like barbell and like 45 pounds or something like you got to start simple and like mm. move up you know yeah so like oh prab go for it what is a kegel for people who <laughs> don't know what that is in simple terms what would you describe that as i think sanaz just pieced off from the conversation so I can answer that if you'd like, but we talk about Kegels. Of course we would like that, Sanas. Like, tell us. Tell us what you think is Kegel. We're talking about contracting the pelvic floor. So we're basically telling patients, giving them cues on how to contract the pelvic floor. Often we'll tell them, you know, try to hold your peace. Uh, so we're just giving them cues to basically try to contract through the pelvic floor. That's basically a Kegel. But... It's actually very difficult for a lot of people to connect to their pelvic floor. That's why we use these cues. Um, we basically tell, like, say stuff like, you know, like imagine there's like a marble coming out and you want to pull it back in. So we're, we're using all kinds Where, of cues. Wait, wait, wait. Where's the marble coming out of? <laughs> the We're talking about like an anterior focused kegel. So we're talking about the vagina. Okay. In this, case. this is okay. a hard topic to discuss in front of Waleed. He no, starts, that's why I'm asking. Giggling. He giggles no, a lot. I wasn't giggling. It was Disha. Disha filled in the kegel, like the, the giggle for me, you know? The kegel for me. I'm dead. The man's like, where are the, the marbles the coming from? I thought it was kind of self-explanatory, like where it's coming from, but I guess not. No, like I'm, 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 no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you to break it down. Hey, I'm trying to get chill, you to break man, it down. Chill, man. Waleed's, Waleed's not the pelvic therapist here. I know you're the one teaching me. So yo, like I'm pretending to be as dumb as possible. I want to learn as much as I can from you guys. You pretending. guys are the specialists. Got to, got to fake it till pretending. you make it, right, Waleed? Yeah, yeah, pretending. <laughs> yeah, pretending exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, no, but yeah, like kind of to add to what Sanaz said, the cues help. Like just like uh, sometimes it's visual cues like, okay, 
imagine picking up the marble through your vagina or like if we're working rectally like we'd say like okay imagine you know taking a peanut you know up the anus like something like that <laughs> sort of why did it change from a marble to a peanut <laughs> i haven't used the peanut one that's a little interesting but well that's because yeah to each the, it's just different right you want to keep it separate you don't want maybe sometimes it's just to differentiate between like okay the vagina let's use marble and then like for you can use anything it doesn't matter as long as you're giving some kind of cue like a lot of the times like something that we learned um in school it was like oh imagine like opening your flower or like you know imagine like your uh, like the, the pelvic floor being a clock and like now bring 12 o'clock and six o'clock closer to each other or now bring three o'clock and nine o'clock closer to each other so you're essentially attacking like all the walls of the pelvic floor um and then a lot of the times like for example i also pair it with like uh tactile feedback so i'll literally like you know while you're internally working with them you can kind of like tap on each side of the wall and be like okay now resist me in this direction and let's and i found that that really really helps activate like it gives them really good feedback um, and they're able to activate better that way rather than just like simply the um the verbal cues and 12 to 6 you mean like okay you're referring to clock top to bottom and then three to nine i'm assuming i'm assuming horizontal more is or how yeah just a lot of the times like instead of just the verbal cues i'll pair that with tactile cues so like i'll pretend like I'll, I'll tell them like okay let's imagine our pelvic floor being a clock so now imagine 12 o'clock being the top like near your urethra and then six o'clock being down like close to the rectum and then three o'clock and then nine o'clock would be like on the side so i'll be like okay so now let's bring in 12 o'clock and six o'clock closer together um and then let's bring like three o'clock and nine o'clock kind of closer together and then i'll, I'll kind of do like a little i'll apply a little bit of resistance in each direction and then that usually just that tactile feedback usually helps um uh clients understand like kind of how to activate better than just the verbal feedback alone does that kind of make sense guys yeah and have you noticed that when you have to cue that is there any specific part of that that people find like the most difficult um well I thought, like, I mean, do you mean, like, specific sides? Like, you're saying, like, versus, like, one side yeah, because, versus the other? Yeah, because there's, like, the different walls, right? Do you find that maybe, for example, like, I'm kind of pairing this in an analogous way to diaphragmatic breathing. Like, some people find it really easy to expand, like, anterior, posterior, like, front to back. But yeah. then when you teach them to the side, that's really hard for people, right? So yeah. is there a similar effect when you're working with the pelvic floor? Or how do you find it's different? Yeah, I found, uh, I usually, like, I've seen that 12, like, the top and bottom floor, like, anterior, posterior is usually harder because a lot of the times people compensate with their glutes because that's also kind of, you know, near the posterior six o'clock area. So um, that's usually that overactivation where they're, like, not completely using, like, just their pelvic floor alone, but they'll kind of get, like, their glutes involved, which is the most common thing that I've found. I don't know about you, Sanaz, have you seen anything uh, different? No, not really. I feel like I've seen what, what you just said. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Have you noticed that um, with that approach, you have to treat males and females very differently or is it similar? Well, I mean, like males have a pelvic floor too, you know, similar bowel and bladder control um, issues. Like, yeah, sorry. I mean, like you were talking about of some people use their glutes to compensate do you find like maybe it's harder with with males or harder with females or not really well i mean okay first of all i've to be completely honest i've seen definitely compared to my male clients i've had way more female 
clients. Um, so with at least what I've seen, usually it's pretty com- like it is pretty common. Like the glutes are usually more overactive. Again, it just takes a couple of trial runs and like just more practice to get the activation and kind of work, you know, stop kind of, you know, take away the other overactive muscles like glutes and adductors and things like that. Um, some of those other muscles and just focus more internally, but otherwise it's pretty, again, everyone's super different, but I've noticed at least for myself that the the top and bottom, like the anterior posterior wall are kind of more difficult to kind of engage because they naturally start using more of the glutes and things like that. Going off that, how can, because you explained with females, all of the benefits, right? How can males benefit from this? Because I feel like a lot of people don't understand the boundaries and how much you can actually do with this field. And we kind of think, okay, yeah, it's mostly for females, but as you're saying, males can benefit from it too, right? So how can males benefit from pelvic floor treatment? And how can that, if at all, how can that change performance for a person? Yeah, so that's a great question because I, I think in general, like males don't think or know too much about their pelvic floor. Like, um, you know, we can always shed more light on just pelvic physio overall for males and females, but just I think like females just hear more about it or know more about their pelvic floor because of, you know, things like pregnancy periods, like we all, you know, grew up with that stuff. So I think females are more aware of it, whereas I don't think males talk about it as much or think about it as much. So I think there's a huge... Um, education component which I think in general like males would benefit from Um, so I know I use like a lot of you know my session at least the first session to just like educate about like the pelvic floor and like how our pelvic organs are you know what role they kind of have you know in bowel or bladder control or like whether that's like let's say you know certain things like erectile dysfunction or you know sexual function things like that like both you know males and females have that so it's like it's just a little bit more about that awareness um, but in terms of like treatment, there's, there's not that much change except for, you know, females, you can kind of work vaginally, rectally with males, we work rectally, but at the end of the day, you're still working basically on the muscles internally, you know, whether that's strengthening for support or whether you're working on like decreasing tension with, you know, breathing and kind of that lengthening and relaxation of the pelvic floor. Um, you know, a lot of the times like you know, with age and things like that, like a lot of uh, males have to go through, let's say prostate surgery if they do. And a lot of times that can result in incontinence. So you're losing that control again with urination, how Sanaz was explaining. So there's a lot of bladder retraining, um, like kind of getting that mind muscle connection, you know, connecting the brain with the bladder muscle and kind of controlling that or helping with that incontinence like that's a huge part so or or uh strengthening and stretching supporting muscles right like at the end of the day like what i'm trying to say is that there's plenty of ways to help um there's not too much difference from like ortho regular msk patients you're essentially still looking at like the whole body overall like you know the hips and the back and core strength breathing all that kind of stuff it's just this is just more focused like there's an extra little niche benefit where we can work internally so for example like i'll I'll give you an example like i have um i had a male patient who he bikes a lot right so he had a lot of pain in his uh, tailbone area when he was biking so like i found that you know when i was working with him around like kind of just releasing kind of um, working around the muscles that attach to the tailbone, kind of helping the, you know, mobilizing, mobilizing the tailbone, um, strengthening the pelvic floor and kind of opening up the hips 
and things like that because he had a lot of tension in like his hip flexors and um, those muscles in the front. Um, we, we also noticed that like he actually told me based on his feedback that he found he had better urge control in general. Like he wasn't getting up to go to the washroom as frequently. So it was just like a side, like something that he wasn't aware of that was kind of like something bothering him on a day-to-day basis. Like just pelvic therapy helped him with that too, which he noticed after coming in. So I, I, I just, you know, this is, I mean, I hope like there's guys out there listening to this that, you know, you, you should, um, you know, don't be afraid or scared to check out, you know, get your pelvic floor checked because it can always help with, um, you know, any kind of discomfort or like something that you may not know that you have and, you know, it can help with that. So yeah, that's how I found that it can really benefit, uh, males as well as females equally. Wow. That's amazing. Um, just, uh, well, going off of that, um, would you, would you guys mind sharing another Fudisha, another success story, but just another success, like any success story that you've encountered um, so far during your young career that's shown you the value of um, pelvic floor physiotherapy? I think for me, I've noticed that it's not, it's not just one success story, but I've had numerous patients who actually come in with Sina's pain is so successful. Sorry. in their low back. Um, and so they actually have been like, you know, trying to treat maybe a chronic problem. Uh, they've been to other healthcare professionals. They've been to like, you know, they've gone place to place, physio, chiro, massage, and they haven't been able to get better. And that's because a lot of the times we don't actually, we don't actually think that low back pain is associated with the pelvic floor, but it totally is. So I would say in at least like, 30, 40% of my low back pain patients who are women tend to actually have um, a pelvic floor dysfunction that they actually don't know about. So it takes a lot of like um, talking to the patient, really doing a thorough uh, subjective assessment and kind of trying to understand that. So for one of my patients, she came in with low back pain and that she was told um, was actually a disc herniation. Um, she came to me and I didn't actually think it was a discrimination because I didn't see any type of, like, she didn't have anything to tell me it was a discrimination. It just seemed like she had low back pain that was going in her tailbone area that hasn't been fixed. And she's tried like numerous things, like she's tried physio, chiro, massage, and it didn't help. And so she came to me and, um, after like talking to her a bunch of times, like, I mean, I told her the first time, I was like, I don't think this is, uh, I don't think this is like uh, a disc herniation. I think this could be related to something else. And I asked her like some personal questions to basically kind of get her into the pelvic floor area because usually we don't, we don't ask pelvic floor questions to everybody. But uh, I did ask her like, you know, do you have any issues with bowel, bladder, you know, these types of questions? And she said, yes. And then I kept digging further and it turned out she actually had um, she had urinary incontinence, uh, and she had pretty bad tailbone pain. And so um, I treated that, and her low back pain has been gone. Like it's been gone for months now. Uh, so that was a really good success story because she was um, really worried. And like you know, when you try everything and nothing works, it's it's pretty difficult. Um, to kind of wrap your head around that, but it was really nice to see that, like, you know, uh, there are some pretty good benefits of pelvic floor physio that I think not everybody knows about. And I think this story really shows, like, some of the myths around pelvic floor physio. Like, for example, uh, that 
leaking is normal. So a lot of women especially will think that uh, leaking is normal and that, you know, as age we leak and, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, but in reality, there's a lot that you can do about it. So, uh, yeah, that's all I had to say. That's really cool, honestly. And I think it relates to what we all do, even the people that aren't in the pelvic space, because we've all had that low back patient that, you know, everything we're doing, like maybe we're doing those back extensions, maybe we're trying the core activation things, but until they get in to see someone like you or Disha who can figure out exactly what the issue is, right? It's very hard to determine what the cause of the, the pain is and that can be frustrating for the therapist and the patient, right? So that's really good. Like, like the example you just gave about the herniation versus the pelvic floor. I think we definitely need, uh, need more of that. How about you, I think, Disha? I think, um, sorry, no, I, well, I, I kind of almost cut you off, but um, it's okay. I, um, I was going to say, even with, like, I think, yeah, what Sanaz said, that was, that's amazing. Like, it's always, like, nice additional thing that we can add to our, you know, toolbox of things we can use to help with. But I think even for some of the more obvious things, like, you know, you would think, like, when you think of pelvic floor, like, you naturally, or at least, like, I naturally still associated with more with pregnancy and things like that. So even with that, though, I found there to be, like, a huge difference when, you know, someone does pelvic therapy versus not. Like, I've had um, clients uh, come in and they, like, when they had their first uh, vaginal delivery, um you know, they had tearing and things like that. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of stress and kind of like negative emotions associated with that. Um, and, you know, so they were like, okay, let me, let me give, you know, pelvic physiotherapy a shot this time. And so I've had like, for example, my success stories with that, cause I've always been interested in like, you know, you know, I wanted to be like an OB gun when I was growing up and all that. So, I mean, of course this was like perfect fit for that, but, um, just like walking them through the whole education aspect and like, you know, walking them to how get through natural birth, which is what they wanted and, you know, how to help on the day of certain techniques of like helping, you know, breathing the baby down, uh, certain things like doing like a perennial massage during, you know, while they're in that, you know, birthing room just to kind of help with that, uh, you know, decrease the chances of tearing and things like that. And also, um, you know, pelvic strengthening and, and certain, honestly, my favorite is like birthing positions. This I didn't know of, like, I just thought of like the typical, you know, what they show on like shows and movies is just like, okay, you just have to be laying on your stomach and you're just kind of, uh, sorry, on your back and you're just giving birth that way. But, um, I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, yeah, what, what will lead? No, nothing, nothing. Continue. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. okay. No, that's okay. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, just like birthing positions and I've just hearing back from them after they give birth and, you know, seeing, oh, also seeing like the husband come in and support, you know, working through that together, like seeing that collaboration, that that's really, I think that's really heartwarming. And then, you know, then the clients send you pictures later and they'll be like, yeah, like my baby's healthy and this and that. Like, I think that's, that's, that's really nice. That's always good to see like, okay, I, I felt like I was a part of something, you know, nice and big and, you know, being part of that journey, I think is, is, is really cool. Yeah. That's really cool, man. It's uh, it's stuff we don't get to hear about a lot, right? We, I don't know, Willie, do you have a pelvic physio where at your clinic? I feel like you do. We do, uh, but she's on mat leave right now. Um, so she might need a pelvic she, physio. I was, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> uh, no, she, she, <laughs> she's, she's the only one there. Um, but um, even, even for her, the, the biggest problem for her is that um, she doesn't have a private space to kind of perform the internal exams. That's the biggest challenge that that's there right now at the moment. But 
Um, I think I think it's big though. Like I think the stories that they were kind of mentioning, I've encountered a lot of cases like that where a lot of things kind of don't go anywhere. And um, I had a patient actually who um, had tailbone pain too, and I explained to her like, listen, your pelvic floor might be the issue here. Like my hands are kind of tied in terms of that. I can kind of help you loosen up the lower back and engage the pelvis and doing tilts and, and coordinating that with breathing and, and strengthening muscles and stuff like that, that I find weak. But if there's something going on deeper inside that that's an issue, then we might not be going anywhere. And it's like one of those things where you have to be very candid that like, you know, like my hands are like my, my repertoire is kind of limited in this case. Right. Um, but I would tell her like, go see a pelvic physio, but her, her response to me immediately was, does that even work? Um, and I'm like, honestly, like I, I believe that it does it. She's like, no, like it honestly feels like nothing's really happening. I don't know like what's happening when I'm breathing. I don't know what's moving, what's supposed to close, what's supposed to open or anything like that. I just thought it was kind of like, she, she labeled it as like voodoo. That's what her experience was. Um, just because, just because she, she went to pelvic physio and her experience wasn't great, you know? And, and it's one of those things where it's like, if, if like a patient like Sanaz is like using all the resources, she came to another physio like myself, she's probably sitting there thinking nothing's helping me, but I told her to go to a pelvic physio and she thinks that she's already been there. A lot of doors kind of closed for individuals like that. Right. So I think being open to what it can offer for you can do a lot of things because I think it's such a sensitive area inside that can affect so many things with your core like your hip flexors like your glutes and all these things so and pelvic physio sorry to cut you off but pelvic physio is actually research backed like literally it's greater than 70% effectiveness I'll I'll include the research article but we had to read one that was talking about how 70% of pelvic cases do improve and they do show improvement because I think it's almost like going from a situation of zero to like let's say you have zero knowledge and zero awareness of pelvic floor and you go to 50 that's a huge difference compared to like let's say you maybe you kind of know how to engage your glutes and you have decent strength and you go from like 25 to 50 it's not I feel like it's an even bigger jump in this space right which is why i think even in the education is so key for us to share it and it comes down to a bit of like when we when we get deeper into our careers is what someone who was mentoring me was explaining to me before you kind of see having to refer patients out as like oh i wasn't able to fix them but the point of it is not to fix the person right the point of it is find the right resource yeah find the right resource and if you're the person who connected with them like I had a person who was not getting better for like a month or two in low like low back pain and then all of a sudden her like both her wrists started hurting and I was like bro like send this, send this person out right found out she had she had lupus right oh. and if she wasn't coming to me she might have been confused and she was talking in a way that was indicating oh I feel like I'm just aging and this is just normal like alluding to what you were saying before like it's just normal for yeah. me to feel more tired she wouldn't have even found that right so I think what I'm learning from people uh, in the field that are providing mentorship is it's it's okay to have numerous individuals as part of the treatment like maybe we're helping them with core activation and like, like TA activation and some mm. range of motion of the hip or something like that and then that same patient is also seeing pelvic and then maybe they're seeing in Cairo like I think that's a that's good like I think it's very good to have multi 
disciplinary approach with some people, right? Bro, yeah. the other thing that I was thinking about. Oh, sorry, Disha, I cut you no, off. No, no, you no, go, go ahead. Willie, go. I've been, I've been talking the whole time. It's your turn. No, no, no. It's your, it's your episode, so it's totally fine if you're like, Willie, I got this. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, like, I agree with Prab. Like, I think it's, you know, you gotta use your resources at the end of the day. Like, I feel like half of my, like, you know, you would never. I never thought like I would be working closely with, let's say, a naturopath. Uh, we have a naturopath at our clinic as well. And I found that super helpful. Like, anyone that talks to me about, let's say, constipation or any kind, of, I always ask about like digestive issues. If someone ever talks about like pelvic pain, sometimes, so I'm just like, okay, we have a great naturopath here. Like, you should go see them, and you know, we'll work on more of the pelvic side and things like that, and then she can kind of help you take care of the rest and uh, you know everyone like at least the feedback that I've got is that you know it's 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 super helpful like they come out happier and at the end of the day like your our mindset should be that we want the best for our patients right so it's like it's good to get as many people involved at least in the way that you think could benefit them and I've found great results with that so I'm 100% no no 100% I agree with that um one of the things that I kind of realized that with with what you guys were how you guys were speaking about pelvic physios you guys always try to find a way to create a connection between the mind to the pelvic floor, right? So even with the patient that I kind of struggled with, I found that she wasn't getting that connection. Now, if you kind of look at the way I would kind of, what the things that kind of came to my mind was when we test in our assessment, the patient's ability to stand on one leg or test their proprioception in some way, and we find that that's a problem, right? Proprioception technically means your awareness of your body, right? Mm -hmm. As physios then, therefore, we need to improve that because if we don't improve proprioception, it doesn't matter how much we strengthen, right? Um, It's the same way then, therefore, like if your connection from your mind to your pelvic floor is not there, then the day-to-day things that you need to absolutely do that is like basically based on reflexes is not working appropriately. Mm -hmm. That can't be good for you, right? So... That's kind of like where I would like to leave it off at. Yeah, man. Right on. Yeah, I feel like... Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Fair fair enough. Fair enough. Ew. Fair enough. (laughs) Man said right on. (laughs) Right, bang on. I don't know. Bang on. It's on theme. I'm going to cut that out. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like even as a patient, right, even as patients, I think it's really important to try to get them to be open-minded. Like, for example, Waleed, she had, he had that patient who was like, oh, this is voodoo, right? They're probably <laughs> going to trust us as healthcare professionals when we say, no, nah, like, I've seen this work for a lot of people. I yeah. have people I trust in the field who are doing good work. I think you should check it out and it's not voodoo for xyz reasons and we can actually get them to be more open-minded even to like you were saying the naturopath right we had uh, on this episode or sorry on this podcast we had a holistic nutritionist and a naturopath and before that we didn't really know the scope of practice right Mm -hmm. but by Mm -hmm. the time we were done i think waleed had a call with one of one of them one of i don't know exactly which one it was but i called the naturopath yeah Um, and they talked about how they can help up help with one of his issues that he was having right so i think that's where the open-mindedness comes from not even just in us but in the patients and we have a lot of power and influence in helping people in that way right and we should we should definitely use that use that yeah. yeah exactly yeah man it's been really good do you guys have any other any other points and main 
concepts regarding pelvic physio that you think people should take away from this episode like one like one or two main things key points that if you could tell anyone what would you tell them about the field uh if you're thinking about for example you know if if this if this issue is bowel and bladder related uh you know have i tried everything to fix it and it hasn't worked if that's a no like if if that's sorry if that's a yes like if you tried everything and nothing's worked you went to your doctor you did ultrasound you did everything like your doctor's telling you to do um you know you went to physio all these things and there's actually no like there's nothing that imaging is showing to point you towards something that's you know medical in nature that you need medication for let's say I would say you really should consider going to a pelvic floor physio. Um, what else? Disha, can you think of anything else? Um, I I think like, I mean, I think you kind of said the main thing, like just looking, thinking a little bit more outside the box at the end of the day. Like if you've tried to, you know, tried every, or like different approaches, like, you know, general physiotherapy, massage, chiro, whatever it is for whatever you're kind of dealing with. Like I, I personally base it off of like my own experience. Like for example, like sometimes um, you know, like during lifting or something like that, like you feel like, you know, let's say like a certain strain, like, you know, I feel like my core is not activating well or something like that. But then it's like, okay, where does all that pressure now go? Like, I feel like now my pelvic floor is like either not engaged properly. Like I feel that for myself, although I don't see a pelvic physiotherapist myself right now, but like to me, I'm just like, okay, I feel like I could probably benefit from that, you know? But again, that's because I'm in the profession. So I'm kind of a little bit more aware of it, but I think that's what it is, right? Like, it's just like, see, like under, or thinking a little bit outside the box and being able to be like, okay, um, you know, what else can be involved here? And, you know, is there something that I can't figure out through, you know, if I'm trying certain exercises, stretching, or like talking to people, I think that helps as well. Like a lot of the times I've noticed with like, you know, public physiotherapy, like Walid said, is a little bit more of like a sensitive topic. And so, you know, sometimes people are not as open to discussing things with, you know, friends and family. So I, I would say like having those discussions with someone close to you like if you have a friend that you know that might have some knowledge like uh prab said right like we have the power to kind of you know not influence but kind of lead people in the right direction so i think that would be it just thinking outside the box a little bit really good points man really good stuff i definitely learned a lot today and you might be getting some patients coming your way oh definitely Bang on. <laughs> Bang on. You know, I'm going to leave it in there. I'm not even going to edit out. We have, to, we, have to leave, we have to leave it in I'm there. I'm going to leave that in there. Highlight. Love it. And at the end, she Love was saying it. something like, think outside of the box. And I was like, three to nine? <laughs> Stop. Lord It's a good one. Yeah, that's, man, guys. That's a, one. Is, that's a good one. Yeah. This is really good, Put guys. that in my notes. Oh. Oh. Diary. <laughs> diary. Jeez, man. Di- diarrhea. Di- Stop. Public floor? <laughs> yeah, that's getting edited. <laughs> okay, fine. All right, guys. That was a really good episode. I would I would talk for a lot longer about this, but unfortunately, for the sake of the audience and their just the people's generally low attention spans, we'll leave it at that. Um, thanks a lot for coming on, and we'll include all of Sanaz and Disha's information, their accounts and where we can you can book in if you do have any issues that you would like taken 
if you'd like them for, to take a look at anything pelvic physio related, you want to know more about it, you want to message them directly, we're going to include all that in the bio. And mm-hmm. that's that. So this has been the PT Lens Podcast with Prabhulid, Disha, and Sanaz. Take care, guys. Thanks for having us, you guys. Peace. Bye. Bye.